0: Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we just want to say thank you for all the great things that you have done. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to sing songs that are worthy of your praise and worship. That you would help us once again to remember that the audience is not those that sit in the pews. The performer is not those on the platform. But Lord, the leader of the performers are on the platform, and each one of us are here to perform before the King of Kings, the very God of Heaven. We want you to accept our performance, the songs that we sing as worship to the God of Heaven, to the Savior of our souls, to accept the time of preaching, the invitation, the offering. Lord, the greatest offering that we can give is a broken and contrite spirit, a surrender of our soul, a recognition of your great deity and power and direction in our lives, a surrender of our wills to you. Lord, we thank you that you allow us this opportunity to give back to you and help us to approach our singing, Lord, the preaching, the invitation, the offering, with the awe and the humility that would make our worship acceptable in your sight. We pray that the time here would encourage us and strengthen us, that we may be able to live in that spirit throughout this coming week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you wouldn't, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 today. If you have that salvation we just sang about, that Jesus has made you a partaker of His righteousness, could you say amen this morning? Well, maybe we had three or four there. Let's try that again. If you're saved this morning, could you say amen? Amen. And if you're not saved this morning, let me tell you something, you can get saved this morning. It's not in the church, it's not in a place, it's not in the words, it's in the person... Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I am so glad to be able to stand in this pulpit and tell you that the Baptist Church does not offer salvation. In fact, the Baptist Church offers you nothing until you can get salvation settled first. And and that is the biblical pattern and that is the biblical way. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, if you like titles, uh, the title of this morning's message is, Who are you? Uh, Paul had some issues here in the church at Corinth and, and the people had divided themselves up into little groups and some of them said, well, I follow Paul. And another said, I follow Apollos. And some said, well, listen, uh, I'm following Cephas or, or Peter. He was one of the Lord's disciples. And, and then the last group of all, they remind me of a group that we had designated at, uh, When I was a freshman in Bible college uh, on our floor, they were known as the Royal Order of the Pious Gas Bags. And and they said, We are of Christ. You you can't get any better than that. And uh, the simple truth of the matter was, there were these problems going on in the church because there were issues in their hearts. And... Paul, as he is dealing with this, he starts out in, 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 in verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize. But to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. How many of you have ever been called foolish for believing that Jesus Christ could take away your sins. I'll tell you what I have on more than one occasion. I remember meeting a man in the subway several years ago. I was passing out tracks and he took one look at the track and looked down at me most disdainfully and said, yeah, I used to believe this stuff. So I went to seminary. Then I got an education and being the very shy, thumb-sucking type of person I am, I said, you didn't go to seminary. You went to cemetery. And he didn't get it at first. and Then he thought about it. I said, because everything you have is dead. There's only life in Jesus Christ. It wasn't too long before he was using profanity. and And I said... What kind of testimony is that? And he looked and he says, You're stupid and your Bible is stupid and I'm stupid. And I said, I agree with that. And he looked and he thought what he said and he just turned around and walked off. I'll tell you. You turn your back on what's written down in this book and you are in... Mortal danger of eternal damnation. But you know what? Really doesn't make a lot of sense now, does it? Get up out of bed early Sunday morning. You know, a lot of churches, they have this idea that I get dressed up all week. So I come to church any way I want. You know what? I, I think if it's good enough to get dressed up to go get money, it'd be more important for us to dress up to worship God. Now be careful. It's not a fashion show. It's not a display. It's how many feathers you can put in your hat, ladies, and how tailored your suit could be and shiny your shoes are. Hey, those, you know, the devil gets into everything. But if we'll just simply come to worship Christ, he'll, he'll work in our hearts and in our lives. And that's what Paul was trying to tell the Corinthians. He said, we're going to pick up, we're going to try to go through the rest of the chapter here this morning. He says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews, a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise, and hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of this world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. Go back to verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. And that's where I got the idea here, is the question, who are you? Where where do you fit in this division? Paul divides literally the entire world up into three groups of people here. The Jew, the Greek, and the saved. Now, the saved, if we read again in in, in verse 24, it said, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks. So, see, you start out in one of those two categories, and then you can move to the called or the saved category. Uh, But Paul is trying to help us see something here. And so, uh, please don't misunderstand the sermon of this morning. We're not casting aspersion upon any group of people. These are groups of people that lived, whose characteristics Paul is using to help us understand where we came from and where we need to go to get saved. First, he talked about the Jews. He said, the Jews require a sign. Uh, How many times during Jesus' ministry did someone come to him and say, Show us a sign. How many of you remember the story of Zacharias as he was standing by the golden altar of incense and saw Gabriel standing on the right hand and told him that he was going to receive a son and he said, Show me a sign that thou talkest with me. And we look at that and we say, That's ridiculous. He's standing right there talking. Well, how many times have you said, Am I dreaming? Is this really happening? I'll tell you, Wednesday night I was standing there going, wow, is, is this really happening? I mean, we raised, for those that don't know yet, we raised over $100,000 for the church in Brooklyn Wednesday night at the Home Missions Conference at Heartland Baptist Bible College. In the evening service, Southwest Baptist Church in Oklahoma City. And, and uh, I'll tell you, it, it's just a, a miracle that God did. And, and you just stand there going, wow, is this really, really happening? Yeah, it is. You know what? God is better than imagination. Amen? Uh, You can't dream things up this good. And the Lord is interested in His church. But this idea of requiring a sign, I, I, I want proof. I've had people say, I just wish I could hear God speak from heaven, and then then I would know that it was true. Uh, uh, one of the old uh, bluegrass gospel songs said, uh, I didn't believe Jesus until I saw him standing there at my bed. Well, you didn't see Jesus standing there. Uh, it may have been leftover anchovies on your pizza or something along those lines, but you, you didn't see Jesus standing there. The Bible tells us very clearly in Luke chapter 16. How many of you remember the rich rich man and Lazarus? And the rich man was in hell and he called to Moses and said, Would you send Lazarus to talk to my brothers? Moses said, or Abraham, I'm sorry. Abraham said, You have Moses and the prophets. And he said, oh, they won't listen to them. He said, if they won't listen to them, they're not going to get saved. Now, I enjoy the Christmas carol story by Charles Dickens. But Ebenezer Scrooge, if he were a real person, would not have changed one little bit by the appearance of three spirits. The only thing that changes the heart of man is the written Word of God applied to the heart through the power of the Holy Spirit of God. That is the only thing that can change the heart of man. That's why if you're sitting here today, and and I've had people, uh, 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 oh, you don't want to talk to me because I don't believe there's a God. Man, I, I do want to talk to you. Somebody that dumb needs help, amen? I'm not trying to be ridiculous. I'm not trying to be mean. But someone who can look up into the sky at night and deny the existence of God. There, there's just something that ain't working up there. Someone who can say, Oh, mankind will solve their own problems without God. Where, where do you get that kind of foolishness? My favorite little line is, it doesn't come by accident. Somebody had to help you. It takes years of education. Why do you think they start in kindergarten now with little books like Heather has two mommies? Uh, so that they can begin the process of breaking down truth and brainwashing our little children. I'll, I'll tell you, the, the cure for that is very simple. Keep them home. Educate them yourself. You say, oh, that's so much work. Yeah, it is. But it's a whole lot less work than trying to unteach all the garbage that they've been taught. That's a whole nother Sermon. But I I want you to understand something. You see, the Jews were requiring a sign. How many of you remember what Jesus said to those in John chapter 6 after Jesus had fed the 5,000? And they came to Him and they met Him the next day on the other side of the sea. And they said, we want you to feed us. And Jesus said, listen, you're just seeking the food that perishes. You need to seek the food that doesn't perish. And he said, well, show us a sign. Well, wait a minute. He just fed 5,000 people with a lunch. Would Would you require any more of a sign than that? He had gotten across the Sea of Galilee without a boat. They knew that. Read the story there. How do you get across a five-mile-wide lake without a boat? By the way, airplanes and hot air balloons and all those things hadn't been invented. And jetpacks are still part of uh, comic books. So, I mean, uh, Jesus did not get across the lake by ordinary means. They knew that. They said, how did you come hither? We didn't see you getting in any of the boats. You weren't in any of our boats. You weren't in the disciples' boat. How'd you get here? Jesus never answered their question. You know why? Because it wouldn't have done any good anyway. You ever tried to prove something to somebody that didn't want to accept what you were trying to prove to them? How many of you have ever been there? How much facts does it take to make you believe that you didn't come from monkeys? And yet they call me foolish. You see, that's what Paul was speaking of here in, in, in verse 21 says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You see, the world has to believe that they're smart. Have you ever met anybody? It just woke up to you and said, I know I'm dumb. I know I don't understand anything and I don't care. Have you ever met anybody like that? I don't think so. I mean, the dumbest people I have met in this world are the people that understand, think they understand the most. We'll, we'll get to that in a minute when we start talking about seeking after wisdom. But this whole idea of proving Jesus Himself is the proof. What did Jesus tell the disciples of John? He says, go tell John what you've seen. How that the blind see, and the lame walk, and the dead are raised. And tell him, blessed is he that's not offended in me. You know, Jesus doesn't choose to do things your way. And for that, we could all say, "Amen." He he does things his way, a- and he does not prove to us. But it says that to the Jews, it's a stumbling block. Now, a stumbling block is simply an obstacle in the way that you're walking. How many of you have ever been out walking in the woods? And all of a sudden you find yourself reaching out, grabbing for anything that you can hold on to. And you look down, there's a big old rock just sticking out of the middle of the trail. Has anybody else ever had that happen? Well, that's a stumbling block. That's just simply what it is. It's something in the way that you stumble at, that, that you don't see, that you're not looking for. I remember someone said, once a visitor in the city said, oh, you New Yorkers, he said you always walk around with your face down. I said, yeah. I said, there's a reason for that. He said, what is it? I said, we don't like stepping into open manhole covers. Amen. We don't like to step in things that are left on the sidewalk by other people that ought not be left there in the first place. Amen? There's a reason we look down. We like to see where we're going. He said, it's so depressing. I said, no, it's not. If you don't do that, I said, you're going to end up in one of them open manhole covers. I said, you bet, you know, I'm going back to wherever it was he was going. Just leave your offering. Amen? No. I don't think that person was trying to help us with the building, but you see, there are people that sit sitting there saying, I just want some proof. That's what the Jews were seeking, a sign. They require a sign. Prove it to me. Here's the proof. If If you won't accept these words, I have no hope to offer you for your eternity. None whatsoever. But let me ask you a question. If you'll accept these words for the salvation of your soul, will you also accept these words for direction in daily living? One of the hardest things as a pastor is watching people get saved. And then we talk about baptism. And then they get stuck. And they don't go any further. I I want to challenge you that what worked to get you saved is the only thing that will work to keep you living for Christ. Many people, and if you're saved, truly saved, there, there will probably be a time in your life where you will doubt whether you're saved or not, that, that you'll have an issue with this. And, and uh, being uh, uh, tr- being of the kind of uh, a person that wants to really help you, I think the worst thing you can do is just have somebody pray a prayer again and say, well, let's make sure. Is that faith? Now, it sounds like the Jew here, doesn't it? Well, I'll prove I'm saved. I'll pray again. You know what that does? That engenders more doubt and more fear. Either you're saved or you're not. If you're saved, you're saved because you believed what this book said. Does it make sense to let Jesus Christ take every sin that you've ever sinned and you not have to do one good work to earn your salvation? Oh, it makes perfect sense. Because if God let the work of salvation rest even 1% upon your works and what you do, Your entire life effort would be well spent in trying to get rid of, eradicate that 1% that was left on you so that you could have a surety of a home in heaven. Would you agree with me on that statement? Hello? Yeah? So, what God in His wisdom did was He did it all. So that there could be no question in God's mind about your salvation. That there should be no issue when the accuser of the brethren shows up with your name and a list of things that you have done. God opens His book and says, Paid in full with the blood of Jesus. Paid in full with the blood of Jesus. Paid in full with the blood of Jesus. Paid in full. Okay, I've had enough. He said, no, no, no. You brought a long list. We're going to do every one. Paid in full with the blood of Jesus. Paid in full. Every one. You see, the wisdom of God tells us that the only way we can get saved is by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no sign, there's no proof. Every time I deal with a person about their salvation, if it's at all possible, I say, now listen, you need to understand something. The words you say don't save you. It's not a magical prayer. The sinner's prayer is not another bead on your rosary chain. It's not another bead on your worry beads. If you belong to that religion, whatever it is that has worry beads, but I know somebody does. What it simply is, is your heart calling unto God? And I say, I can give you the words to say, but you have to say them from your heart to God. And after they pray and admit that they're a sinner and they can't save themselves and they confess the Lord Jesus and believe that He rose again from the dead, they ask God to save them and we say amen and they look up and they said, are you saved? And, Yeah. Well, how do you know that? Uh, It just feels different. No. No feeling doesn't... Let me tell you, if Jesus saves you, you ought to feel something. Amen? But that's not what saves you. Did you do what the Bible says? Well, yeah. Well, see, that's how you know you're saved because the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead what does the last phrase of that verse say thou shalt be saved do you believe what the Bible says Oh, but, but you go seeking for proof guess what you're still a Jew. You're not saved. It's got to be all of Jesus and none of you. You can't hold on to some kind of proof that you're saved. You can't go seeking. Well, I, and I don't know how many people have said this over the year. Well, preacher, I love the Bible. I, I, the only way I could love the Bible is the Holy Spirit of God in me so I know I'm saved. Can I tell you that commentaries have been written? The most exhaustive theological dictionary in print today. Kittel's Theological Dictionary of the Bible. How many people know who Mr. Kittel was? He is one of Hitler's propaganda ministers. Worked for Mr. Goebbels. And he finished his theological dictionary in prison after World War II for crimes that he had committed. That's why I don't have a copy in my office. I don't want that filthy man's work in my office. I don't want to read anything he said, even if he's right, because of who he was. Don't tell me just because you love the Bible that you're saved. Or just because you like to come to church. That's not what it is. That's seeking a sign. That's trying to prove something. If you want proof that you're saved, did you obey what the Bible says? Can you say amen? You see, that's how you stop being a Jew. And we're not talking about the Jewish people here. We're talking about the characteristics as Paul defines them and describes them. That, that they were seeking a sign. They were requiring a sign. And there's a stumbling block. The reason they couldn't believe in Jesus is because it meant that they had to give up the temple. Don't you remember what the disciples said to Jesus when he said, there's not going to be one stone left standing on another? They said, Lord, when are you coming back? When are these things going to be? And when is it going to be the end of the world? They had this all confused. They thought that the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem would certainly be the end of the world. It was the end of their world. Because everything that truly is Jewish is wrapped up in that temple. And the only way you can fulfill the requirements of the law was to have the temple in function. It hasn't worked since 70 A.D. That's a little while back. When the Roman armies destroyed that temple and fulfilled Jesus' prophecy. But the world hasn't ended yet. We're still here. People say, oh, the signs of the times. Hey, if I can scare you into trusting Jesus because you watched a movie about the Antichrist in his kingdom... how saved are you? If you're not afraid of who Jesus is and the power that He has to give you salvation and to condemn your soul to hell forever, why would you be more afraid of some crazy movie about the end of the world? See, the Jews, they require a sign They're always looking for some kind of proof. And you don't have to be a a physical descendant of Abraham to meet this criteria. We have many of them today. And they just get to a point to where they stumble and they stop and they say, I can't go any further. I just can't get there from here. Well, there's only one way to get that stumbling block out of the way. And that's believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because... Of who he is. Because of what the Bible says about him. And because of what the Bible says about you. And you know what? All of a sudden that gets all of that history and all of those things and all of my thoughts out of the way. And allows me to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what the next group is? The Greeks seek wisdom. Hey, if you want to run into some Greeks seeking wisdom, just go out passing out tracts in a story. You'll find one sooner or later. It's not hard. And the amazing thing is the conversation usually starts out this way. I'm Orthodox. Oh, okay. I'm a Baptist. But that doesn't get you to heaven. Well, sometimes they'll talk to you. And I don't know that in 23 years of passing out tracts on the streets of Astoria and talking to people who claim to be Greek and claim to know more about the New Testament because they can speak Greek. And again, I'm not trying to disparage any people group here. It's the characteristics. But it's not too long before we go back to Plato and Socrates and all those guys. They always come up somewhere. I say, you know, can I tell you who really started the Orthodox Church? And look at me kind of funny and say, who? said, Emperor Constantine. Ah, yes, and St. Helena, his mother. I said, well, if Constantine started your church in 300, then Jesus didn't start it 300 years before. Couldn't have. There's no connection there. You see, this idea of wisdom is the most appealing sin of our society today. You know, if you want the lowest. How do we say this? The lowest class uh, uh, of people. If you really want to look at our society, what is the, the number one charge that they level against you today? Is it not ignorance? Dumb, unlearned, uneducated? Uh, you guys are just ignorant and proud of it. Well, I guess you could almost say guilty to that charge. Because I'll tell you what, I am willingly ignorant of so much of what this world calls wisdom. How about you? Someone said, Well, you gotta swim with the sharks and not get eaten. Let me tell you, there's two things that you have to do to swim with the sharks and not be eaten. If, if you really want to work this out, number one, you got to be a shark. Because sharks swim with sharks and they don't get eaten. And number two, don't bleed. Because even if you're a shark swimming with the sharks and you bleed... Now, if you can fulfill those two requirements, be my guest. But the last time I checked, when you get saved, you become a lamb. Lambs don't swim with the sharks and not become dinner or breakfast or late night. It just depends on what time of the day. You're going to go. You're going to disappear, at least parts of you. It's not a pleasant thought," he said. "I send you as sheep among wolves. What do wolves do with sheep? The well, same thing sharks would if you put them in the pool. I mean, it just—you see, but but am I supposed to be eaten? All oh, the read Romans chapter eight and all these things. We are more than conquerors." through Him that loved us. I'm not here to compete with the world. There are far better musicians out there than there are in here. We're not here to compete with them. I'm not trying to get you some smooth, intellectually soothing message. There's a lot smarter people out there than there are in here. We have people running around saying, listen, if we could only engage the world in in true conversation and debate, we would change the world. How do you debate with a liar, my friend? How do you debate truth with someone to whom truth is a moldable and bendable substance that I can use to agree with me on any opportunity. That's what politics are about. How do you do that? You can't. Do you know that these apologists for creation... This is years ago. How many remember that big debate with? Uh, I don't even remember the names. I think it was Ken Ham and uh, Mr. Science. This was a while back, and and they put it on YouTube and they had it advertised, and thousands of people came. And I remember some people. Pastor, are you going to watch that? No. Isn't that important? Aren't you going to pray for 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 Mr. Ham that he'll do that? No. you know what the news media said about that? They said the people that came in convinced that creation was true left convinced creation is true and the people that came in to debate convinced that evolution was true left believing they had won the bait. Both sides left thinking they had won. Now, if that is not foolishness, you tell me what is. You see, the Bible tells me that I have a reason to be here and a purpose, and that I was created in the image of God, and that because I'm a created being, I have a responsibility to the Creator. Do you understand what I just said? Did you? Did it make sense to you? Okay. Don't be afraid. I'm not trying to... My daughter, I'll pick on her a little bit here. Twelve-year-old girl understood that. Why doesn't a 50-year-old scientist with 10 PhDs grasp that point? Could I challenge you? He does grasp that point, but he doesn't want to accept it. And so he's going to use the wisdom of this world and great big words to try to work around and deny the existence of God and her responsibility to God. Why is the people who are so concerned with cruelty to puppy dogs and cats so adamantly Militantly opposed to explaining to a woman that what is in her womb is a baby, not a mass of fetal tissue. I, I don't get that. You talk about foolishness. Where where does this thing come from? I am an admitted global warming denier. Guilty. How many of you would like to know where global warming really comes from? You want to know the truth? The sun. It's the sun that warms up the earth. And what would you be if the sun didn't warm up the earth? A people sickle. You'd just be a, You'd just be frozen. That's all. You've got to have warmth. It's what makes us have life. We have to have light and warmth from the sun. And guess what? It gets hot. It's a good thing it's ninety-three million miles away. Amen. But you see, Acts chapter seventeen, Paul was on Mars Hill. In the city of Athens, guess who he's talking to? The most learned Greeks in the world at his day. That's probably why he used this in Corinthians, the, the term Greeks. And of course, the Corinthians were Greeks as well. He's writing to a Greek church. And what did they say when he spoke to them about all of the things in the Bible? He said, we'll hear thee again on this matter. I've got to to think about that a little bit. Do you know you can die and go to hell thinking about the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because God did not do what He did to appeal to your sense of thinking and understanding. God did what he did because it is the absolute best thing that could possibly be, possibly be done. You can't improve on God's plan. God's plan convicts every man, every woman, as a sinner. God's plan for salvation is 100% dependent upon the grace And the love of God. The only thing man has to do is faith. What does Ephesians 2 say? And that not of yourselves. Romans chapter 10. Faith cometh by... Let's try it again. Faith cometh by... Hearing. And hearing by... The Word of God. You see... Here's what it says, verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. You know, Paul was uh, not being flattering here when he was addressing the Corinthians. He said, look around you. He said, there aren't very many high IQs in the Corinthian church. Now, I don't think one of us in this room would be happy to find out our IQ uh, was below standard. Uh, We always like to think of ourselves as a little more intelligent than the guy sitting next to us, don't you? I mean... If you like to think of yourself as dumb, please see me after service and we'll try to get some counseling and help you through that point, all right? There's nothing good in self deprecation because that's just backwards pride. But there's something intrinsically good about honesty. Not many noble. Not many mighty. You know why? Because verse 27, God hath chosen the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. He hath chosen the weak things of this world to confound the things which are mighty, and the base things of this world which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught things that are are Verse 29, and this is the key to the gospel that no flesh should glory in His presence. But look at verse 30. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You know, if I have any righteousness today, it's because I'm wearing Jesus' righteousness to cover me. That's the breastplate of righteousness from the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. It's not yours. It's His. Because if you check lately, you're not very righteous. None of us are. But He is. Amen. You, you want wisdom? You know, I've, I've talked to many people and I, I finally, someone said, uh, aren't you afraid of gray hair and getting older? No, I embrace it. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. You get a little gray hair and people have to listen to you. Amen? But I, I've been around long enough. And it's fun to watch the mouth of these kids at the, uh, at the home missions conference. Hey, yeah, uh, we're talking and just going back and forth about different things. And, and they'll uh, say, I'll say, well, when did you graduate? And they'll say, well, uh, five years ago. And the Lord Jesus, by the way, how long have you been in New York City? Oh, 23 years ago. When, uh, oh, when did you graduate? Uh, well, in this may it'd be 30 years ago I graduated Bible college. You weren't even born yet, kid. I enjoy that. Because I've learned, and I can tell you by experience, I've seen so many people over the years say, well, we've got this thing down, and if we could just get this, every person in this room to tell, every person in this room who would tell, every person that they know one person every day, we can win the whole world in 32 days. Well, that's true. But has it ever happened? No. Is it ever going to happen? No. Because Jesus said, straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth in life, and few there be that find it. But I don't want to give anybody on the Broadway an excuse for being there. Amen? Somebody says, Boy, you you don't have a a lot of... uh, You know, you're just childish in your belief about God. I thank you very much. I I appreciate that. I remember trying, trying to explain to one of the preachers there at Southwest. He was saying, wow, what's going on with this building? I said, well here's what we did here and here's what we did here and here's... He said, wow, you got a lot of of wisdom on this. I said, oh, no, we don't. I said, there was no time to think at all. It was just the Lord guiding us each step of the way, bringing things to mind and helping us. It's, It's not about us. It's about Jesus Christ. You know, there's part of me that feels a little guilty. I mean... They gave almost a quarter of the entire offering raised that week to North Brooklyn Baptist Church. That's, that puts a burden on me. But I'll I'll tell you this, it tells me how much God is interested in saving that old church. Because people were excited about the giving tells me that God is interested in doing a work so that He can get some glory. Now, we get to be a part of that. But you know, every one of us wants to think that we know and understand things and it's, it's just time to pull in our horns and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everybody here in this church, if we're going to see this going, let me just put it out very simply. Everybody here that is assembled this morning is going to have to pull some extra weight if we're going to make this thing happen. Because it takes a tremendous amount of time and effort on my part to keep things going over there. And that means people here are going to have to do more. How do you do more? Well, the best way is to get direction and follow it. Amen. Visitation. It's just being faithful in the services is you see, it's that no flesh should glory in his presence. we got to get our eyes on Jesus Christ. That's how you got saved, isn't it? So, stop trying to figure out how somebody else ought to live and figure out how you ought to live. Can I just say that? Well, I just did. And it's just as Bible as the day is long. We can't afford to get into a bunch of little things here it will destroy what we're trying to do over there. See, that's just pride and wisdom. That's, that's being Greek. And we can't be Greek. And when somebody gets saved and they're stumbling along, and hey, let's not be Jews and start seeking proof. Let's get with Jesus and pray. We say amen to that. Let's be a group of saved sinners that have given up on trying to figure things out. Given up on trying to understand everything that's going on. And try to walk with Jesus today. So that when the Lord looks down here, he says, wow. Wow. The only one that can take credit for what's going on at Open Door Bible Baptist Church is me. That is true worship. That is what faith should do in your life. That is what God wants to accomplish. Not only at church in Corinth, but at Open Door Bible Baptist Church in Astoria. And at North Brooklyn Baptist Church. And at the Union Baptist Church. And all God's people said. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord I just pray that the Holy Spirit would have an opportunity to take this message and apply it to each of our hearts. There is not a living person in this room that does not need what this message had in it today. The Lord, our heart and our human nature and our willful pride would like to get in there and twist this message and try to make things that were never said points that were never made so that they can have something to be offended about. Lord, we pray that the Holy Spirit would protect us from such attitudes and hearts. Lord, we would let the, the sword of the Spirit point inward today and remove that which hinders us from being that weak, base, An unwise thing that you would choose to confound the wisdom of this world. We pray that there would be glory in your presence over what you have done here. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand for the invitation.